Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10. At 10. I'm Jason Perry. And I'm Kimberly Bradshaw. And we're sitting in two different locations because of COVID and going to be talking to you about some of the things that are going on in the HR world. I say because of COVID, um, it's kind of feeling like we're fairly close to the other side, isn't it? Yes, I mean, locally in my area, we've only got 18 cases, which is a tiny, tiny percentage. And the, the figures have been, we had a little wobble up uh, in the middle of last week. We went up by two or three cases, uh, but now it's gone back to trickling back down yeah. again. So, yeah. I mean, again, I'm just over the border, as it were, in Rother, and very, very low case numbers. Um, and I really think it's time, you know, we started and employers looked at what they're going to do in a post-COVID world. And it kind of strikes me that this is the point when employers need to look at whether or not they've got the right people in the right places. We've been making furloughs and we've been putting people home working and we're suddenly learning what works, what we need again, aren't we? Yes, and also there will have been massive changes with so many people being furloughed. Yep. So, for example, you know, if they furloughed admin staff, they might have brought in new technology, say, yes. like that case we were talking about yesterday. Yep. And they don't need to do things in the same way anymore. Yes. They learned new ways of working mm-hmm. as an employment, as an employer, uh, and it will change the, the requirements of the staff that they have. Yep. So I think there's a lot of changes to come potentially. Yep. What's really important, I think, probably quite helpful to many people we're working with, is to think about the kind of difference between, let's say, redundancy and the other options. People have got to uh, adjust their staffing levels, let's say. Um, Mm. And I think often people get redundancy wrong. You and I have both worked with clients who've misunderstood it, haven't we? Oh, my goodness. If I had a pound for every time somebody said, we want to get rid of this person, we want to make them redundant, I'd be living, you know, not working and retired in the Bahamas or somewhere. Oh, you'd be doing this because you love it. I would. You would. You would. I mean, the, the big one, and I say it so often to people, you make a job redundant, not a person. And that has to be the starting point, doesn't it? It does. And in order to identify which jobs have changed or won't be needed or might be merged into something else, you need to do a decent uh, review of Mm. what your needs are going forward. And it frustrates me. So many uh, clients, well, it frustrates. It's just one of those things, isn't it? But so many clients don't think that through. And it's just, I want that person and that person. I mean, the reality is, of course, it keeps you in work as well. So we did not complain too much. But you're right. It's that point of if you use redundancy as a convenient excuse to get rid of the one or two people you have a problem with. Mm. um, We typically see settlements of, I say settlements, uh, awards, tribunal awards, 20, Mm. 30, 40,000 pounds. Um, The worst I've seen, and it is incredibly rare, but was the £180,000 we recently won um, where we, we, we saw a case. But you've got to get it right. And you've got to go through a process of telling all of the people in the job type that you're losing that you're restructuring and you're going to be considering them. And if you don't consider everybody equally, 
you're going to lose. Yes, and so few do that. Even when, you know, you tell them that this is what we need to do, so many still don't get it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, what is the structure going to be going forwards? What does that mean in terms of your uh, people strategy and how you're going to support the goals of the business with your people? And, you know, roll it out from there. Yeah. Make sure you've got a decent pool. Uh, make sure you've got strong criteria for assessment. And if redundancy isn't an option, then you need to look at potentially dismissal or capability. Yes. I found the capability policy in um, uh, clients' handbooks very useful this mm. year. Yes. Uh, and I think it's a really good one to make sure that you have it in place. Yeah. Well, I think there's a second reason for capability, and that is the ageing workforce, dare I say. Mm. And as people age, I mean, uh, we all slow down a little, and it's just a fact of life. And what you don't want to do is take somebody who's been a loyal, dedicated, committed employee for 20 years, and then take them through a disciplinary route when actually finding a more gentle way to help them move towards retirement would be a better way forward. And the changing of the retirement age has altered that massively. Yes, although you say it's a more gentle route, I don't think employees view it as any more gentle. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's perhaps without the harshness of written and final written warnings. And it's, it can be, if managed well, a more supportive process. And yes. it's not about wrongdoing. It's, yeah. um, but I, it's about the positioning of it. Um, getting back to redundancy for a moment, and I fear actually we're just going to talk about this for the whole 10 minutes or so actually the way we're going, but we see so many organisations looking at their selection process and what are fair criteria for selecting Mm -hmm. people for redundancy. And I saw a really interesting comment yesterday, um, and it was from a top law firm, and I'll be perfectly honest, this thought hadn't crossed my mind. They suggested that last in, first out as a method of selection may be less appropriate because it could be age discriminatory as you will be removing younger people more than you are removing older people. Yes, I I would agree with that. I think it's, uh, I've always been a bit nervous about that. Some, you know, there are set criteria, but I always think it's better to actually look for uh, business reasons, you know, that you can base the selection on as well. Just so that it's not, you know, if it's absence related, people might legitimately have a, a something that fall, you know, an illness. Um, you know, the Equality Act, so that might be discriminatory. Yes. There's, the criteria are a bit dodgy, and I think they do need shoring up. Yeah, I think the key thing is have clear, defined criteria and an objective way of measuring against them. If, for example, you use attendance record as one of your criteria, which is a legitimate criteria, what you then need to do if Dave has more absence than everybody else, but um, he actually has a known mental health problem, then you may actually want to say, actually, we need to consider that as well as the data. And as long as you take all the factors into account, then you won't be discriminatory. But it's thinking it through, isn't it? 
It is. And the worry is that because so many organisations can be blinkered about what redundancy is, Mm. they then don't follow a due process. And as we know, the the tribunal claims that go against employers are usually because they haven't followed a process. Yes. Process is almost more important than anything else. And having a documented audit log of on day one, we decided that we were going to have to make changes. So we told everybody, and here's a letter. On Mm. day two, we met with senior management and we defined the criteria as to how we'd go about it. On day three, we assessed the people. And on day four, we communicated it to people. Perhaps not four days in reality, but as a timeline principle, you have an audit log. You can demonstrate what you've done, why you've done it, how you've done it, and that ultimately, therefore, everybody has been treated equally and fairly. I must tell you a funny story about redundancy, which it's not a funny topic. It's, uh, you know, can be very challenging for the people on the receiving end of it. But um, I had a call once from uh, somebody who said, I've accidentally uh, made all my staff redundant. Which you think, well, that's interesting. It's quite a process to have got wrong. Yes. Uh, So digging into what, uh, and the other issue was that she wanted everybody to start the day after they'd left. Um, Digging into the issue, all that um, they needed to do was a small consultation on terms and conditions because they were moving from one building to another building about 50 feet up the road. And um, she'd gone on to gov.uk, got herself in a terrible muddle and hence made them all redundant. But she had a clear process. That's the point. Yes. You see, I've been known to accidentally buy wine or something like that. But I don't think I've ever accidentally made someone redundant. That takes some doing. Yes, it did. You know, you can imagine my reaction at the time. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) I mean, the thing that we ought to just add before we conclude this, and, you know, this is HR in 10 and we've been talking for nearly 10, just about (laughs) redundancy. The thing we ought to add is there are other methods. And as you said, disciplinary. So often I see employers going into redundancy because they think it's easier than a disciplinary. And it's just not if you have the right skills and people on board. And if you don't have them on board, get advice because it is vastly easier and vastly cheaper to deal with somebody on a disciplinary basis than it is through a redundancy. Yes, in my experience, the people that prefer to use redundancy rather than disciplinary are those that struggle to have challenging conversations. Yes, yeah. And it's a very, very expensive alternative technique. Mm. Um, And the final one, just to mention, is if all else fails, you also have another option of compromise agreement. And getting the right legal advice, the right HR support, you can find a negotiated settlement um, that are discussed in such terms that you you can come up with a compromise. Yes. And the good old um, underused protected conversation. Absolutely, yes. So uh, there are other ways. We've been talking for too long, as we always do. So uh, we hope you found this session useful. Um, I don't think we've had any live questions on today, which I have said people can ask us. But if on these sessions you want to ask a question live, do feel free to type it in YouTube. And don't forget to click the subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get alerts when we're doing these sessions. 
Thanks very much for watching. And we will see you same time next week. Thank you, Kimberly. It's a pleasure, Jason. Thank you. See you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.